Hello everyone and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and we got a lot of news to cover. Just because Hollywood might be shut down, doesn't mean there isn't news. We have the latest updates from the strikes, new trailers, Netflix numbers, and the latest summer blockbuster is out with the latest Mission Impossible movie. Let's start with the domestic top five. Opening in first place is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 with $56.2 million for a total of $80 million. The movie officially opened early on Wednesday to have more time on the premium screens. In second place for the weekend was Sound of Freedom with $27 million for a total of $85.4 million. Turns out this film is catching on with people with an increase of 27% compared to last weekend. At this rate, over $100 million is guaranteed. The question now is... Can it hit 115 million? In third place was Insidious the Red Door with 13 million for a total of 58 million dollars. Fourth place was Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny with 12 million for a total now of 145.3 million. And in fifth place was Elemental with 8.7 million for a total of 125.2 million dollars. So for Mission Impossible, this opening is a uh, mixed bag. Yes, the reviews are great. The word of mouth is great. It did get an A for its cinema score, but the numbers were not really better than Fallout back in 2018. Uh, back in 2018, Fallout opened to $61 million for a normal three-day weekend. Now, if Paramount kept it to a normal uh, weekend release, it probably would have passed Fallout, but not by much. There was a question on if Top Gun Maverick would bring a lot of interest in Tom Cruise's next film, where he does crazy stunts, aka Mission Impossible, that has turned out to not to be the case. Why? Well, it could be that Top Gun was a sequel to a film from the 80s that you didn't really need to watch if you haven't seen it. Meanwhile, Mission Impossible is one of the big Hollywood action franchises, with this being the seventh film. People know it's a long-running franchise, and might think, well, if they haven't seen the others, they're not going to go to this one. As for the financial data, one thing that could hurt this movie is losing all premiere screens next weekend to Oppenheimer and Barbie. Deadline reports that 42% of its opening income came from those screens, so expect next weekend numbers to take a bit of a hit. Now, it shouldn't have an issue passing 150 million domestic. Question is if it can leg it out to 200 million, which right now is a solid maybe. In China, Never Say Never came in first place with another 48.6 million for a total of 222.8 million. In second place was Chang An with 46 million for a total of 101 million dollars. Opening in third place was Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 with 25.7 million. Fourth place was Lost in the Stars with 16.7 million for a total of 498.9 million. And in fifth place was Oh My School, which debuted with 13.4 million for a total now of 18.8 million thanks to previews. So this was another great weekend for the Chinese box office. As for Mission Impossible, it follows the same track as most Hollywood films this summer in China in context of past year, right? So in the context of the past year so far, this was a great opening, right? Compared to the franchise, not so much. For reference, back in 2018, Mission Impossible Fallout opened to $76 million in the country and finished with a total of $181 million. That was huge back then. Sadly for Paramount, it will not be getting anywhere close to that 
It could like an outlet Guardians to maybe $75, 80000000 million, but with strong competition from local films, that might be an impossible mission. Taking a look at the international box office, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 earned $155 million for a worldwide opening of $235 million. That's not bad, but for this movie to be profitable at the box office, it has a long way to go. With a budget of almost $300 million, it needs ideally to make around $800 million, which is questionable now after this opening. Insidious The Red Door earned $21.5 million for a worldwide total of $122.6 million. Also completely random, but the movie is now the highest grossing horror movie in the Philippines, with it now at $6 million. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny earned $17 million for a worldwide total now of $302.4 million. It might make it to $400 million worldwide, but that's going to be it for this. Uh, pretty big bomb for Disney. No Hard Feelings made $2.2 million for a worldwide total of $77.6 million. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is at $663.5 million. And Transformers Rise of the Beast is at $421 million worldwide. We start off the news in Hollywood with what else but the strikes. The SAG Union have released details on what exactly they are looking for in the New Deal and what the studios offered in response. For money, they are looking for an 11% raise in the first year. They say this is due to the rise in inflation since the last contract, which makes sense. They say the studios only offered 5%. The union is looking to get a cut of the streaming revenue a show brings in. Uh, we talked about this in the last episode, about the 2%. Uh, this would be on top, again, would be on top of their pay to work on the project and any residuals. The studio said no completely and that it's a non-starter. For the studios, it makes sense to try and say no, as it means they need to become more transparent about how the shows perform. Basically, the SAG's position is if a show becomes a big hit, say Stranger Things or Wednesday, for example, the people who made it should be able to be rewarded for it because as it currently stands, residuals from streaming is very little to nothing. For AI, the union members want to have a say where their likeness can be used and be to be compensated for it. While the studios have not said no to that officially, it has come out that they are looking to scan background actors, pay them for one day of work, and then use their likeness whenever they want without approval or pay royalties. The AMPTP did respond to this by releasing their version of what was negotiated so far before talks broke down. They did confirm that they are against the revenue sharing for streaming hits, but responded that they are willing to increase the residuals by 22% domestically and 76% for foreign residuals. For AI, they offered their own take as they were willing to make changes in regards to scanning background actors and working with them to have approval for use outside of the project that they initially worked on. So yeah, since this is how both unions are acting right now, it's going to be a while before they return to the table to start talking again. The Hollywood Reporter exclusively reported this week that over the past month of negotiating between the unions, Tom Cruise showed up to some of the meetings. Specifically, he was there for a few reasons, pushing up for the studios to understand the concern the actors had in regards to AI and wanted guardrails set up for using it as well. And he also pushed for what SAG wanted for stunt performers and coordinators. From the SAG side, however, he did ask if actors could continue to promote movies that are coming out, even if they are from a studio as part of the AMPTP. While that was nice of Tom Cruise to show up, I wonder if he will show up to the picket line or for a big rally in support of the union. It would make for some strong imagery. After the SAG strike started, the union said that they would approve some productions to continue if a waiver was given, and in the past week, two noticeable ones have been given, 
one for the Apple TV Plus show Tehran, and a film from New Line called Watchers. Deadline had an exclusive talking to SAG's chief negotiator, Duncan Crabtree Ireland, and asked about it. He did explain that the main things to get approved for the waiver is that the production company for the project has to abide by what the last SAG's offer was for a contract with the studios, and that it cannot be produced by the studios involved. So for Tehran, it's being produced by an Israeli-based company, and Apple TV Plus is only distributing it. Quote, so there may be productions that have distribution through AMPTP companies that nonetheless are eligible for interim agreements. I don't think you'll see that be true a lot, but that might be the case in some cases. End quote. Depending on what other projects get a waiver in the future, this could cause issues in Hollywood, as some will wonder why did this project get approved and theirs didn't. Who knows? Maybe if a good amount get approved, a studio might make a side deal with SAG to get it over with. I'm curious how Watchers got approved, because as far as I know, New Line was a subsidiary studio of Warner Brothers. But maybe they are just distributing it. Co-CEO Ted Sedanos of Netflix has commented on the strikes, saying that he was a union man and grew up in a union family with his father being a union electrician, and that he was looking for a fair deal for everyone. Quote, So you should know that nobody here, nobody within AMPTP, and I'm sure nobody at SAG, or nobody at the WGA, took any of this lightly, we're super committed to getting an agreement as soon as possible, one that's equitable and one that enables the industry and everybody in it to move forward into the future. End quote. Universal will be hit by a fine of $250 from Los Angeles as they trimmed the trees where riders were striking. As for why, well, Universal will be hit by a fine of $250 from Los Angeles as they trimmed the trees where riders were striking. As for why, well, they have not said officially, but for them it is to reduce the amount of shade that they will have during the summer season as they pick it. As for why the fine, well, they needed to get it approved first before doing it, and they did not. However, it's only $250 because it's a first offender fine, which for Universal Studios means absolutely nothing. Uh, well, it's a calculated move, and it was probably worth it to them. Uh, it's also kind of a dick move on Universal's part. While the writer's strike slowed down Hollywood production, SAG going on strike has basically halted it as a report comes out that filming in Los Angeles has dropped 72.8% compared to this time last year and is now at levels not seen since the middle of the pandemic. Over in England, the equity union held rallies in support of SAG. This rally included Simon Pegg, Brian Cox, and Naomi Harris, among others. Now the SAG strike has already caused some movies to be pushed back, in exclusive from Deadline, they are reporting that Lionsgate is moving Whitebird, which was set to come out at the end of August, to sometime in Q4 of this year. They are also pushing back their sequel to Dirty Dancing, which was set to come out next February. It will now come out sometime in the summer of 2025. A24 is also moving some of their films as well, with Deadline exclusively reporting that Problemista will be pushing back from its limited release, which was set to start in August. Not sure now when it will come out. The studio is also pushing back Challengers, the tennis movie starring Zendaya. It just started its promotion a few weeks ago for a September release, but now it'll come out April 26th. With this movie, its premiere at the Venice Film Festival has been cancelled. Challengers being delayed is not a surprise, as that is a film you need Zendaya to promote on social media and be available to do a full press tour to make people aware of it. An exclusive from Variety, Warner Brothers is considering pushing back their end-of-year releases, including Dune Part 2, The Color Purple, and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. 
Now for Dune, both Warner Brothers and Legendary need to agree to pick a new date because Legendary is the one producing with Warner Brothers handling distribution. While it would suck if Dune gets moved because it has a great date already in November, the film would do well with its all-star cast doing a full press tour. This also means Warner Brothers at least does not expect the SAG strike to end until October at least, so take that as you will. In other news, sadly, Josephine Chaplin has passed away at 74. She was the daughter of Charlie Chaplin. Thoughts and prayers are with her family, and may she rest in peace. AMC has decided this week to end their Scytheline program. This was their variable pricing program that they were testing out where the seats in the very front of the theater would be cheaper and the ones in the middle row would be a bit more expensive. They said that even with the cheaper prices, the company did not see an increase of sales for those seats. E1 is shutting down their theatrical distribution business in the UK. This comes as Hasbro continues the cost-cutting on E1 as they also look to sell it off. And in regards to who might buy it, Deadline has the exclusive that Lionsgate is the lead candidate to buy E1. We will see if that comes to pass. In another exclusive from Deadline, they have confirmed that Borderlands, the live-action film adaptation of the video game series, finally has a release date. It felt like this movie has been in production for years, uh, but right now it is set to come out August 9th, 2024. It will open up against Speak No Evil from Universal. Even with the strikes going on, we got some new trailers for upcoming films. We finally got a second trailer for Gran Turismo from Sony, with the film set to come out August 11th. Over 20th century, they dropped two trailers. The first being a second trailer for The Creator. This is the sci-fi movie starring John David Washington and directed by Gareth Edwards. It still looks really interesting, and personally I'm looking forward to watching it. It comes out September 29th. The studio also released the first trailer for the latest Pirat film, A Haunting in Venice. Kenneth Bra is back as the lead role, as the inspector, and is directing again as well. This trailer threw me for a loop at first because it very much felt like it was a horror movie until I saw him show up. So this looks to be the darkest of the three so far, and it comes out September 15th. Disney and Marvel released a new trailer for The Marvels, which still looks okay to be honest. Even with the ongoing strikes, it is set to come out November 10th. Moving over to VOD Premium, let's start with Peacock, where they announced two things. The first was the release date for The Continental, the John Wick prequel show. The three-part show will premiere on September 22nd and will be weekly with the last episode out October 6th. They also announced a price hike to the service. This is the first price hike for Peacock. I know it sounds surprising, but they have had the same prices since it first launched back in 2020. Starring August 17th, Peacock Premium with ads will cost $5.99 per month, up $1, and Peacock Premium Plus will now cost $11.99 per month, up $2. Well, for me personally, Peacock has the least interesting content besides Premier League football compared to other streamers. I will say them only increasing it now is fair. And with this not being a big hike, I doubt many people will cancel. At Comic-Con, AMC announced that the Walking Dead spinoffs will continue with Dead City and Daryl Dixon both being renewed for a second season. They must be expecting big things from Daryl's spinoff, as it is not coming out until September. But for AMC+, Plus, hey, this keeps the content coming. Over at Apple TV+, Plus, they have a new movie coming out called The Beanie Bubble, and yes, it is about the Beanie Baby's craze in the 90s. Reviews for it have been mixed, with it having a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. It'll be available to stream July 28th. 
They also have a new documentary available to watch as well called Underrated, made by A24, and focuses on Stephen Curry, you know, the famous basketball player. Amazon announced the release dates for two upcoming shows. The boys' spinoff Gen V will premiere September 29th with three episodes, and then weekly until November 3rd. The second season of Invisible finally comes out November 3rd. However, it'll be split into two parts. The first half of the season, which is four episodes, will start on the 3rd, but the second half will not come out until early 2024. They also released a trailer for the upcoming season as well. Personally, I'm looking forward to the new season. thought the first season was pretty cool. Now let's talk about a European streaming service I don't think we've talked about before on the podcast, the Scandinavian streamer Viaplay. I wanted to talk about them now because there is a lot going on there with a new CEO coming in and the company actively now focused on downsizing and focusing the company on Nordic and Dutch content, as well as sports and working on international distribution. What seems to have happened is they tried to grow too fast, too big, as it mentioned, they will be cutting down on English and other content. That's not to say they are not doing any original content going forward, but they are now only committing to 10 scripted via play originals per year, down from 40. They will also be taking a play from Hollywood and will look to produce more unscripted Nordic content. Sadly, with this pullback and focusing on their core markets, they are also doing layoffs, letting go 25% of the company or around 450 people. Hopefully they land on their feet soon and can get new jobs. Also, right around when this news was announced, it also came out that Canal Plus Group has bought a 12% stake in Viaplay. Now, they did not say why they are doing this now, but Variety mentions that overall, Canal Plus Group has been looking to build a European streamer that can rival the global ones like Netflix. And there could be a market for it. Right now, for international content, Netflix is the king, both others like Disney and Paramount playing catch-up. So, pay attention to Canal Plus, it looks like they are starting to make some moves. Warner Brothers Discovery has rebranded BT Sports in the UK and Ireland to TNT Sports. This is from the joint venture between Warner Brothers and BT Group from last year, where they merged BT Sports and Eurosport UK. As for where to watch it, if you are in the UK, it'll be an add-on to Discovery Plus, costing $29.99 per month. And for both Ireland and the UK, It'll also be on their satellite TV providers. For Warner Brothers, this does make sense from a branding standpoint as TNT is their big sports channel in the US, and now they can keep it all organized. For Disney Plus, they announced that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be coming to the service on August 2nd. That would make it about 90 days since after it was released in theaters. So, as we have seen this year, at least for Disney, is that they are back to almost a three-month window between a theatrical release to streaming with a VOD release in the middle. I think that's a good balance for everyone. Now let's wrap up with Netflix, where they had their quarter two earnings report. The streamer announced that they gained 5.8 million subscribers for a worldwide total now of 238.3 million. This surpassed analyst expectations of around 1.76 million subs for the quarter. As for some specifics, Q2 is when the password crackdown took effect in the United States and between the US and Canada, Netflix gained 1.1 million subs. Canada has already had the password crackdown, I think, since Q1 of this year. While they did not release exact numbers, Netflix has said that the number of subscribers on their ad-supported plan have almost doubled since Q1. And this week, as a way to both simplify their offerings and to maybe convince people to go on the ad plan, is that they have removed the basic tier offering in the US and the UK. 
This was the cheapest plan to get without ads. So if you live in America, for example, it is now either $6.99 per month for the ad tier or $15.49 per month for the cheapest tier without ads. Remember, because of the ads being shown and the advertisers paying for it, a customer on the ad tier plan is worth more to Netflix than a user being on the standard plan without ads. Now, just because subscription-wise Netflix had a fantastic quarter does not mean that investors were happy. They did miss a little bit on revenue and the stock dropped around 8%. Some good news for customers is that the Netflix also mentioned that they are more than a year out from another price hike in the major markets where they have enforced the password crackdown. Basically, they are treating the crackdown and the ability to add extra people to your account as a basically as a price hike. They're counting all those changes as a price hike in and of itself. On their top 10 chart for the week, the second season of The Lincoln Lawyer took first place for TV shows with 8.3 million views, with season 3 of The Witcher dropping to second place. For movies, The Outlaws came in first place with 28.6 million views, and in second place was 65, you know, the dinosaur movie with Adam Driver, that got 6.8 million views. Netflix released two trailers this week. The first is for an animated film called The Monkey King. It's an action-adventure film that is based on Chinese folklore. It comes out August 18th. They also released a new trailer for One Piece. And while it looks a little weird, it doesn't look bad. Hopefully it holds up. It comes out August 31st. As for what is coming out soon, Netflix has an upcoming film called A Clone Tyrone, which has been getting great reviews with a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it hits Netflix on July 21st. And as if this episode of Box Office Receipts... If you want to follow me on Twitter or Facebook, links to those are in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.